da 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 You sound insane. Do you realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. And welcome back for another bonus episode this week. One of three that we are releasing this week's time. And we got a VIP episode coming later in the week as well as we wrap up our batch of throwbacks that we will be releasing exclusively to our VIPs at madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP. And the party never stops with VIP. It stops here Ever. After, the, uh, after the episode's over. The Mad About Movies lounge is closed, but the VIP lounge is always open. And the remix to Ignition is always hot and fresh out the kitchen in the VIP. <laughs> so, um, Brian and I saw a movie that we wanted to talk about here. Um, it's getting to be award season. There's so many movies that are going to be in contention for a lot of um, big awards, small awards, indie awards, what what have you. And this is definitely one that I think is going to um, – is what I think is definitely going to be in the conversation, or at least in my personal conversation sure. at the end of the year. And so we felt definitely that it was necessary to give our thoughts, give a little bonus review here, and um, get this out in the open. Air it all out here for the <laughs> Mam Fam. So we're talking the old man and the gun right now, and it is um, it's out on wide release, I think, uh, for the most part. Um, it wasn't showing at my local local theater, but it was at the next one to me. So I think you got to yeah. go to like a amc 24 or one of the one of the theaters that shows more than just eight movies Mm -hmm. yeah uh, it's showing at most of those right now sure it got over a thousand theaters it's not now it's like seven to six six seven hundred something like that but it was over a thousand theaters for a week that's pretty that's pretty big for a movie of this uh of this size and reputation i think yeah i think so too i think it's um living up to the expectation financially that they had set out for it, and it's sure. certainly getting the critical buzz that they had hoped for. And um, I guess we can kind of start there on on David Lowry and kind of what's the expectation for him as a director? Is he expected to go out and uh, make blockbuster movies since uh, his first real, uh, you know, wide release film was a was a Disney movie? Mm-hmm. And um, now he's he's settled down. He's making smaller budget, lower scale things more isolated like this and like a ghost story last year and um and so i think from his perspective i would see this as a big win and will definitely turn some heads more his way uh, to get some bigger projects going so um what are your kind of thoughts on lowry i i'm under the impression that he's one of the top if not the top like up-and-coming director out there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. He really knows his stuff, um, visually, narratively, and uh, I'm always excited for his next projects, and I was very mm-hmm. excited for this one. And I'll spoil my review right now but by saying I was, I was pleased with the outcome of this one. But uh, what are your David Lowry thoughts, Bri? Dude, I, I love David Lowry. He's one of the... You, you mentioned kind of the up-and-coming directors. This is like... For me, he's one of the maybe three of just uh, anything that he does from here on out. I'm going to be incredibly interested in and and invested in. Um, he has a great sense of 
what how to make things cinematic that may or may not seem cinematic on the on the outskirts and how to take this is kind of the opposite like old man and the gun is a very cinematic concept like you read the article that this the story that this is based on um and you just screams movie and then he kind of turns it into more of like a character piece than a i mean you could really see this being made into a hundred million dollar budget sort of blockbuster type heist scam movie you know and instead he turns it into a really quiet small sort of uh robert just a chance for robert redford to show off how he used to be robert redford you know and then that's it's very interesting his his sensibilities are are just um i think otherworldly and he's so good he's a local guy too which is nice he's he's based out of here we like that we like we like people that uh that hail from from dfw but man he's he's uh he's incredible and this is i i it's very quickly i saw eighth and body saints and i really liked it and then i kind of set it aside and didn't think about it again and then uh pete's dragon and and uh, uh ghost story kind of back to back really solidified my feelings towards him and just more than just piqued my interest it's like i love a director that can do we talk about guys and men and women who can do the who do the uh one for them one for me sort of mentality when it comes to either acting or filmmaking and he is a true purveyor of that i think it's yeah. i'll do this one on an eight thousand dollar budget that i basically shoot with an iphone and then i'll do a, a fairly big budget disney movie and then it's this and then i'll do a you know he's the, just announced he's got a new big budget uh green knight I assume big budget. It's going through A twenty four, so it may not be. Yeah, he's doing uh, Gawain and the Green Knight, which is very Arthurian and, and the Wayne Knight uh, biopic. <laughs> Finally, Finally, what we've all we need a, we need a Newman for. Uh, biopic there. It's, gonna, um, it's finally happening. Yeah, and he okay. has a big Disney movie that's kind of. I it's Peter Pan, right? He they've never. He, that's what it says on his IMDb. That. Okay, um, okay. He danced around. He's he was on a Ringer before. show. Yeah. Okay, he was on a it's like, podcast. It's in development, but it's not a, at the point where they can announce okay. anything. So he's got he like contractually can't say that they're doing it. But sure. I think that's probably yeah. what they're working so on. He, they need, they need really some time to breathe that. from that last Pan movie too. So oh my gosh, seriously. Uh, <laughs> if you, but I'm with you. I'm 100 percent with you. Like I love I love his his stuff, and he is his voice is so. Uh, fresh and unique that it it is at the point where like a Peter Pan movie sounds freaking terrible to me because I'm so beaten by all of the Peter Pan adaptations that we I know that they're not as free they haven't come out as frequently as it feels like they have like it just feels like we are perpetually coming off of another disappointing Peter Pan movie I can't really explain that but that's that's how I feel uh, but then you say well but he, David David Lowry's directing it and I think okay then I'm in I'm very interested in what's going to come of this so anyway yeah. he's he's fantastic one of my my very favorites going right now I can't wait to see um, what he does moving forward and uh, and I loved this this movie was excellent and everything that I wanted it to be and uh, I think a kind of a a master class just in small budget film directing which is probably what he does best at this point but gosh he's he's so good at it yeah he seems like he does best at the the low budget low scale um real life stories that he can write and direct himself and mm-hmm. uh, yeah he's writer and director of peach dragon as well and that was a if you haven't seen that um as a listener so good it's worth checking out i know it's a disney movie and i know peach dragon isn't a lot of people's things uh but 
it was totally worth it. And um, before he even did a ghost story in this, I was like, this dude is legit. And right. um, and native of Dallas, Irving High School. And uh, you can definitely tell that he kind of speaks to the tone of this area. I don't know if any of our listeners are from hmm. here. I know a few of them are. But it just feels very Dallas, like his A Ghost Story and The Old Man and the Gun, which neither of them are really set in Dallas specifically. But it just right. feels like he represents the culture of, of yeah. this, this area very well. A, a lot of the banks that uh, they they go through in this movie are are Fort Worth banks. Oh, okay, so you can you can kind of drive or Fort Worth buildings that they retrofit into uh, this era of bank, which is which is pretty cool. Some that are pretty recognizable. There were two or three. I didn't know that going in. I just I thought that might be the case, just given what I know about him. There were two or three locations that and I, again if you live in like california or new york this is like no big deal to you at all but for us we don't it, it doesn't happen a whole lot that you use uh, especially fort worth as kind of yeah. the backdrop for, for your setting and stuff so there was immediately two or three that i recognized like oh i know where that is that's that's pretty he's, cool man he's everything i want to be in a director honestly <laughs> yeah yeah he's, like he's i'm just gonna shoot this in my hometown i'm gonna hang out with my freaking friends we're gonna have a blast and it's going to be great. You know, that's my, yeah. that's my dream is to be able to do projects like that and not have to go to Hollywood. That would be amazing. Um, <laughs> so the old man in the gun, like you, you alluded to it based on a, based on a true story. Mm-hmm. And it's one that, uh, I didn't know. I didn't know this story before Same. seeing this. It could have been fiction. It could have been fact, but the line was blurred very well. I thought, and, uh, let's start off by just, talking about Robert Redford, I was able to bring to the table in this because there was speculation that this would be his final film. Mm-hmm. It might still be. I understand he's doing another project right now, maybe. But um, had this been his last movie, I think it would have been an excellent uh, end to a great career. I think it mm-hmm. would have been a great note for him. And it really does kind of show that he's still got it if he wants to bring it. And... um it's further solidified the American treasureness of one Robert Redford in my eyes. What were your thoughts on just what he brought to the table here? I have historically loved Robert Redford. That's not a hot sports opinion or anything. Um, well, ever since you saw Legend of Bagger Vance, <laughs> yes, exactly. That's you the were main all thing. in on Robert. The Redford. main thing I think of when I think of uh, when I think of Robert Redford. I yeah, Redford and 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 Newman and McQueen. Those are my three guys of of years past. And Redford obviously has continued on much longer than than either of those guys. May they rest in peace. Um, I've become very disillusioned with Robert Redford over the last few years just because I don't know when the last time was consistently at least I think he's had some you know little pops here and there um uh, but but more often than not I'm just not super impressed by what he's doing on screen and I feel like he's uh super mailing it in most of the time that like Winter Soldier is a great example where that that's a great Great comic book movie that and, was, yeah. and a really cool role for him to play because he kind of gets to switch into bad guy mode, which is cool. And it was so failed for me on his front. Just very, very mailed in. You could have had anybody anybody over the age of 60 walk in and off the street and play that role and it would have been fine. And it was very disappointing to me. 
Um, so I'd kind of gotten to a place where I was not ever going to expect good things from him again. And then I thought he was pretty solid in, in Pete's dragon and mm-hmm. kind of remind me of like, all right, he, he can't maybe reminded him. I don't know, but right. He, he can't Robert Redford was one of the greatest American actors of all time. And, and it's still possible for him to kind of pull that. I wish that this for sure was his last role because it is, kind of quintessentially Robert Redford. It's very on point for the, I don't know what you think of when you think of Robert Redford in his heyday, it feels like a direct extension of those great roles, uh, from, you know, from his earlier years. And it's, it's just, he's like, it's like he's channeling his younger self, which is fantastic. And it's just kind of built for him. So I thought he was fantastic. And it feels like it was written for him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And man, I, I'm, I'm super. And I think, I think Lowry deserves some credit on that front too of writing for him and utilizing him correctly. And, and I think just, I feel like given the interviews that I've read and, and, uh, listened to with Lowry and, and those around that, I think, I think that it's, it's sort of reinvigorated him working with, uh, with, with David Lowry and then just the way that they worked together on set really kind of pushed, put him back in a place where he, was doing good work again and yeah, trying. Yeah, may have re- reignited his love for yeah. movies. Yeah. Like, wow, that was a great experience, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I can do a little more. He's been very hit or miss as a director, though, in his career. Like, I love yeah, Quiz Red Show. Bird. It was sure. a great yeah. film. Mm-hmm. But then, mm-hmm. remember that movie, The Conspirator? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that didn't, was... Didn't quite work out, did it? has got a kind of a Clint Eastwood kind of a directing career. Yeah, absolutely. Clint Eastwood's yeah. just... He, Clint Eastwood's the the quintessential like I'm just gonna do a movie every year, and one out of every five will be worth something. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that movie yeah, he's doing this year, The Mule, looks pretty decent from the from the trailer. But mm-hmm, who knows mm-hmm. with him? Right, right. We'll see. Yeah, going Lions for Lambs, and then three years later, Conspirator. That's pretty tough. Coming off of Bagger Vance, which you mentioned earlier, not not great on the directing front. Right. But, uh, yeah. So um, let's talk about a little bit of the other people involved in this before we talk more plot and uh, give them the spoilers. Um, uh, I guess Casey Affleck is in the, the uh, he's the muse of David Lowry. Mm-hmm. They put him in all his movies, even, yeah. even though he's going through a rough time publicly, right? <laughs> um, just likes what he brings to the table, I guess. And I thought he was pretty solid in this, but I don't think he'll be nominated or anything like that. But I thought... Um, as a supporting role, or mm-hmm. as kind of the main cop that's following around Robert Redford or pursuing him, I thought I, I was a very believable role, and um, and I think he, I don't know, he might be my favorite Affleck. I don't know. <laughs> this is what, side. yeah, this is what he does best. It's mm-hmm. I don't think that he is built to be. Um, I don't think he's built to be the lead in a big movie. I think he's just built to be, he does great supporting work and he can, I think he can helm a, uh, a smaller movie, which we've seen him do. He's very good at it. Obviously like he won the freaking Oscar. So Mm -hmm. we know he can do that. This is when I like Casey Affleck the most is when he's in uh, supporting work, uh, in a, in a smaller film. I don't know. He just has a, he has indie movie just kind of like baked into his existence. It feels like, I don't know. Like he just seems at home in this sort of setting and he's, he's a great, he plays off of Redford very well, even though they, they really only share like one or two scenes, like the, 
the bemused cops and robber bit that this movie is going for where there's a respect there and it is kind of a cat and mouse situation and it never really quite transition transitions excuse me over to like being uh too heavy or they're just really gunning for each other or whatever it's just kind of a fun back and forth and uh, i think he's gosh i think he's really good at what he does in this kind of thing it's it's he's he makes for a good companion to uh to redford absolutely i thought um this is kind of a heisty movie but Mm -hmm. Not so much as well because it's about Small a guy eyes. that yeah yeah it's about a guy that's kind of re- semi retired from doing these things supposedly, mm-hmm. but just can't quite quit because he gets so much joy out of it and how easy it was for him to rob banks was really interesting in this too about mm-hmm. just walking up to the counter, smiling and saying this is a robbery and kind of walking out you know that's yeah. how he kind of never got caught because he never made a scene and. um I always love movies that go about that in a different way and don't make it typical. Uh, Hell or High Water was one two mm-hmm. years ago, I believe. Yes. That yeah. um, kind of the same tone, same setting as this, but uh, set obviously in present time. This was a a throwback, and it felt like it. Um, it's a little bit documentary ish mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. how realistic it was, and. Uh, and like I said, I'd never heard this story before. It made me want to go, like, if they did a book on this guy or something, that I would There's definitely a, be down for that. Right. There's a great – it's from The New Yorker. It's by David Grant from 2003 is okay. where this all started. And I believe this story and maybe even a, an a elongated version of it wound up in, in a book by David Grant. But, uh, yeah, it's a great I'll, – I'll send you the link. It's an awesome article. Really interesting read and pretty – uh, I think pretty realistic, pretty pretty real to what transpires in the movie. Like it, it's a pretty uh, easy adaptation. I think. You know, what was also great in this was Danny Glover and Sissy Spacek, who I haven't yeah. seen in maybe fifteen years in a movie, <laughs> and they were both really good. Danny Glover was great. Big oh. year for uh, for Sissy Spacek. She's got oh, this. Yeah? She's got. Uh, she's in. Uh, she's in Castle Rock, mm-hmm. and she's in Homecoming. Oh my daughter, yeah, she's in Homecoming, the Julia Roberts Amazon show that I just I just oh, started. Cool. Uh, yeah, so she she's a uh, she's in a little uh, a little renaissance. Yeah, what a fun you. So you've got Redford, you've got Affleck. That's kind of the main course. It's these two kind of slowly, quietly chasing each other mm-hmm. over the course of ninety minutes, um, and then you you add in Spacek and and uh, and Redford's crew is Danny Glover, which is great. I always love when Danny Glover pops up. And Tom Waits. I mean, there's yeah. not not much cooler than Robert Redford and Tom Waits in the same in the same scene. You know, mm-hmm. that just kind of exudes coolness. Uh, maybe even especially at their age, which is amazing. But yeah, that's a fun. If you're only going to have like pretty much five people in your cast, I'm not sure you can do a whole lot better than that. That's that's pretty that's pretty banging. Wish we could have had some Skylar Fisk in this, though. <laughs> yeah, where hey. has she been? I know. I miss Skylar Fisk. We need some her singing and Orange her County reboot or something to get her in. You and me, we need to do an Orange, an Orange County throwback at some point. I rewatched that recently. I know Richard hates it because he's an idiot, but uh, we need you and I need to talk it out. That I would maybe that be a uh, good movie to do a sequel to, like right now. Yeah, let's get it. Let's do Colin it. Colin Hanks, Jack Black, Skylar yeah. Fisk, Catherine O'Hara, John, John Lithgow. Lithgow. So much greatness. AT. Yeah, that would be that would awesome. be great. That was a great script, by the way. It was one of the best of that time. 
in two thousand two. Wow, Mike White really fell off too. But yeah, he's okay. not. Do you know what he's doing right now? Yeah, he's a uh, backup quarterback for the Cowboys. I think <laughs> he's on Survivor right now. I had no what? idea because I haven't watched Survivor. Well, I know he wrote the Emoji movie last year, and I don't think he was allowed out of his house after that. They put him on house arrest. That's that's probably deserved. For, like, torturing humanity. Right, right. Worldwide. It was was actually, like, an international crime, which is weird. Yeah. We went on a road trip recently, and uh, my wife loaded up the iPads for my kid with, like, downloaded movies and stuff. Don't tell me you spent money on the Emoji movie. No, so, like, on Netflix, Amazon Prime, too, but Amazon Prime has terrible stuff for kids, but... Netflix especially, you can, not every movie and show and stuff, but you can download stuff so you don't have to be connected to Wi-Fi or whatever to watch it, which is great for the car uh, for long long road trips. But she was like, she put, you know, some shows and a couple movies. She was like, yeah, I put whatever, Trolls and Despicable Me and things like that. And she was like, I, I went ahead and put the Emoji movie on there. I don't think he'd seen it yet, but I thought he would. And I was just like, delete that right now. He's not allowed to watch that. Let's just, I don't, I do not want this to become a thing in our household. That's one of the worst movies I've ever, so cynical and terrible. And I do not want him to experience this and then want to watch it again. That's, that's my great fear. So. <laughs> well, I, I thought, uh, I thought this, this movie kept me on the edge of my seat. It was funny. Mm-hmm. It was heartwarming. It um it, it reminded me of kind of the the glory days of Robert Redford, like you said, in terms Absolutely. of yeah. the Sting and all the President's Men and those types of films. It felt like that, and I don't know if if David Lowry was going for that, if he's just going with his instinct. But it felt much more, just even with the fonts and everything that they use, it felt much more like a I'm going to make a movie that you would have seen in the 70s. Then mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. just going to do what what my instinct tells me to do directorially. It felt very effortless at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. No, he has a very, uh, he's kind of got a throwback style as far as his directorial choices and the the stuff that he does with the camera. It's, it's awesome, but it never feels you're better at this than I am. Can't like you have more of an eye for, uh, the camera side of things, the director side of things, but like it never feels even homage certainly not knockoffish, but it never right. feels even homage It's just like, yeah, this is my style. This is what I do. And it's kind of, it's nostalgic without intending to be nostalgic. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, mm-hmm. it is who he, this is who he is. And he's so, so good at it. And it seems, I know it's not because I know the kind of crazy work that goes into making a movie, but it seems very effortless when he does this or he does ain't them body saints or a ghost story or whatever you know that he made this he made it in a very short period of time he did it without a lot of the budget that you typically get for any movie these days uh all these sorts of things it's like watching uh i don't know it's like michael johnson in the 96 or 2000 olympics (laughs) when he just like he's just lapping dudes and it looks like he's not even running it's kind of like that it just feels very natural without too much effort being put in and again i understand it's it's very difficult to make a movie i'm not minimizing that i'm I'm trying to give him a compliment of gosh it just seems like it seems like this is what he is meant to do like this is his purpose in life and he's incredibly good at it i totally think that he would be on my top of my list for star wars if i was kathy kennedy i'd be calling this guy every day be like so you want to do a little star wars thing yeah see he's in disney umbrella too right right i wonder 
I wonder if he, um, I wonder if he'd be good at that or if it has to be done. I wonder if he would struggle when you got into, it's not just that he's in a studio system, but in a, in a franchise system like that, where there are so many rules that you have to follow and it has to come out like this and it has to fit into the box and all this sort of stuff. I wonder if he would struggle in that because just on paper, I see his movies and I think, gosh, he understands, he gets, um, He's a great he's great with the camera. He knows how to get the best out of his actors. He understands human emotions. Like he's very good at pulling uh sentiment out of a scene which that doesn't without forcing you or like yelling at you to feel things and stuff. He's very, very good at this stuff. I wonder if if you signed him to do whatever, uh Captain Marvel sequel or something, if if it just kind of turns into he struggled. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I wonder. I wonder. I, I'm not. I don't know. I, listening to him on the on the the Ringer show, um, it seemed like it. He didn't come out and say that he had turned down franchise opportunities, but he did kind of say he hinted around that he wasn't sure that he was he would be good at doing that. I, I understand the fact that on Pete's Dragon they let him tell it his own way. It feels right. like. Right. It wasn't like, okay, this is what Star Wars movies are. It's not like a Lord mm-hmm. Miller situation mm-hmm. where if you don't fit the mold, you're out. Right. Or if you don't do the template, you know, of what mm-hmm. these movies are, then you're out. And I think he probably, I don't know, to turn down Star Wars it, it takes yeah, you know, yeah, colonies from right, anybody. But right, I'm just saying, right. like, I don't think he can just go to a studio system and all the producers tell him what to do. And that's, and he puts his name on it and, mm-hmm. you know. No, I agree. I'd love to see it. And I especially I would especially love to see it in a standalone sort of Star Wars movie. I'd rather see that yeah. versus whatever, the second movie in a in the next trilogy or whatever. But on that podcast he said um oh, what was his his for Pete's Dragon, they he basically he kind of told Disney, I'm not really sure that I'm meant to work in this kind of system, and they told him just make an original movie and we're going to slap Pete's dragon, the title on it, basically make an right. original movie about a dragon and we're going to call it Pete's dragon. That's all you have to do. If you treated it like that, especially with a standalone movie, star Wars or Marvel or, you know, X-Men, everything else that Disney owns at this point, I think you would have, I, I would just guess that you'd have better results than like, Hey, you're going to take over for JJ Abrams or something and yeah. do the next one. But but I'd love to see it either way. I think I think I'd very much enjoy it. So, what were some memorable moments in this film for you that kind of stick out? I love the montage. I'm you know I'm typically anti montage like most people are at this point. Yeah. But there, this one was fun. Kind of seeing the as Casey Affleck is tracing back through all these case records and seeing that was a, such a file scene. Yeah, it was a super okay. file scene, but it's but fun and and kind of quirky. And the the sort of jazzy score was fun too. Oh yeah, it was just, super good. I was surprised everything. that it was an original score. Mm-hmm, it felt like he just picked out some records and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, but it, it was really good. That was very cool. It's and it was. I always enjoy a cat and mouse between a cop and and a robber or whatever. Um, I gosh, I I feel. I guess we're we're so far in at this point. It's let's, we're in spoiler yeah, let's territory. Spoilers. But, if you haven't I, seen it, we're going to spoil some stuff, right? So I love I love that ending. And it was yeah. a it was so you could see it coming a mile off. You knew that there was no way that he was going to be happy in a life where he wasn't out running and trying to rob banks and doing his thing and um and it was I don't know, like it was usually in that kind when you see that happen in a movie, typically 
you're kind of left feeling bummed out that this guy just couldn't get his life together or whatever. And in this this case, it's just like, yeah, that's how he was supposed uh, to His be. life is together. Yeah. Yeah. This it's is what he wanted banks. to do. He just wanted to rob banks, you know? It's just it was uh it was I thought it was very sort of touching and it's definitely extremely fitting. So I, I I love the uh I love the conclusion, but gosh, all the all the banks, the heist stuff throughout is fun. I'm always in for always in for a heist. So what about you? What was what was stuff that, that stuck out to you as as uh top moments? Uh that stuff stuck out to me when the scene when Affleck's like in the same restaurant or like basically Affleck's at the bank as he guy robs this guy robs it and he doesn't know, you know, like kind of the first reveal of of Affleck uh, mm-hmm. finding out about this guy was he was in the bank as it's happening and he didn't know, even notice it, you know, like at the counter next to him. Mm-hmm. And that kind of piqued his interest. But I loved uh, Affleck's fascination with the robber and how he's kind of like intrigued and kind of jealous at the same time, you know. And he was, it got to the point where right. they ran into each other at a restaurant or a diner and they had that moment like, why'd you do it? You know, where he kind of realizes it's him. And uh, after all these, I loved how they were trying to look for him too. And mm-hmm. and Robert Redford didn't change the way he looked ever. You know, ever. he's like, yeah. oh, it's this guy with a hat that comes into banks. And it's like, maybe you shouldn't go in a hat with a bank, <laughs> do a bank with a hat anymore. And he's like, nope, this is me. You know, like he kind of wanted to get caught in a way. Yeah. It felt like, um, but I liked the scene where then, uh, when Affleck sees him in the restaurant and just kind of doesn't arrest him or do anything mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And he's just kind of, hey, hey, yeah, it's me. I've been looking for you. He's like, right. okay, cool, man. All right, later. You know, it's like, it never really, uh, you expect this like, get up against the wall, you're dead. <laughs> you know, right. and it, it was uh, it was more emotional than that. Uh, and that was something that I really liked about Hell or High Water. I think Hell or High Water hits better on some of the emotion, the emotional side of it, especially mm-hmm. the ending. Mm-hmm. But this was, a, this was, seemed like a more fun, heisty, yeah. more of an entertainment caper than than hell or high water yeah i totally which, agree which was wasn't really high on the the heist elements at all mm-hmm. it was more about the chase yeah no i 100 percent agree with you that's similar and just the like the the paragraph of what these movies are about is very similar but very different movies uh altogether, which is great they're both awesome that's another director who i'm very very high on moving forward uh david mckenzie i think he's going to be out those What's two are going to be doing project? great things. I don't know that he has anything. I was really hoping he would be up for, uh, uh, there was like very vague rumors about him with Bond for a while. That sounded awesome. Cause he's from Scotland. So yeah, he has a wow. TV. Oh, he did that. Uh, I forgot. Oh, my bad. He, he's got the Chris Pine Netflix movie, the outlaw King, the Robert, the Bruce oh, okay. movie that comes out in a couple weeks. I'm very excited about it. That's getting, Man, there's some very good buzz. There's some big Netflix movies. I know. Dude, they're, Roma they're is like, yeah, a, a surefire best picture nominee. Yeah, and it's yeah. on Netflix, so that's going to be a weird. I think they're actually screening it in some theaters. They are. So to they are, yeah. the people that say it shouldn't be nominated, so they're putting right. it out in New York and L.A. and stuff like that. But they've got Ballad of Buster Scruggs next week, the Coen Brothers mm-hmm. movie, mm-hmm. and Outlaw King. That's it's pretty big. Man, pretty big. The, the hashtag dumped on Netflix is going to have to go away. Right. These, these things right. pan out. I'm yeah. really looking forward to the to the uh coen brothers one mm-hmm. it's gonna be a great, yeah, all, all great three friday night awesome. at home watching a new movie <laughs> yeah yeah can't and wait. We don't and don't their movies are always house. small kind of small scale anyway like not really big screeny sure so i think they're kind of the perfect tandem to do that mm-hmm. 
Um, so this might be my favorite David Lowry movie of all of them uh, so far. Gosh, and so yeah. it just further confirms that this guy is for real, and I'll watch anything he does. <laughs> yeah, Pretty incredibly much. charming, fun. Yeah, uh, you're right. Like it's more. Well, we should have asked him to be on this episode. He probably. I know. Done. We should. We should. We should start sending media requests to him now that we're big time. Yeah. Uh, just. I don't think he has social media though. I've looked for him. I don't think he has any smart. Facebook we're all better or off or anything without. like that. No, I think he has Twitter, <laughs> but he's never tweeted or something like that. Smart. Yeah. Never tweet, kids. That's, that's the moral exactly. of this episode. Yeah. So the, yeah. Uh, the only uh, there's no budget information for this out there. I don't know how much <laughs> this movie costs. Probably five million. Yeah, I would like say that. somewhere between five and ten. It's depending made, on what Redford it's made, made nine million already. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's pretty good. Yeah, I think that's going to be the real test for him um, as far as his involvement with studios. Maybe even more so than like the can he work in a franchise system is just like Pete's Dragon made money, but not a lot of money. Probably did a little better than break even after marketing and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, this didn't make any money, really. A ghost story didn't make any money. And these are not that's not the goal of those movies to make. But at there at some point, studios will say he makes great stuff, but do we want to pay? Do we want to give him a ton of money knowing that there's mm. not a huge chance that it's all going to, you know, that we're just going to be rolling in dough when it's all said and done that, that may be, and that's fine. Again, he, he, I, you know, I think he is fine. He seems fine. Just continuing to make this kind of movie and whatever Absolutely. else comes along. I'm totally is, fine with that. Too. Great. Same here. Same here. That's what Same I mean, here. man. Like he's probably just happy making this kind of movie. Yeah. Make, I think he definitely is. Yeah. Make 2 million in profit and fund your next movie with that day. money. Yep. That's mm-hmm. kind of what he's been doing. That's yep. really cool. Um, all right, let's hit grades. I'm ready to grade this one out. Um, I definitely would recommend this one if if the listener is here, still listening and hasn't seen it. It's worth checking out. It'll probably be out on demand before before the Oscars and stuff like that. So it'll yeah. be worth. It's, it'll be a great home watch too. I'm gonna watch it again as soon as it comes out on demand or, or on digital. I can't wait. Yeah. So I'm gonna grade this one out at a solid A, man. Just really enjoyed it. And it's going to be on my list probably at some at some point this year. But I've seen a lot of great films this year mm-hmm. already, and I plan on seeing a lot of a lot more. So we'll see where it ends up. But um, highly recommended. A. Yeah, it's an A for me as well, and, and I I also expect it'll be uh, it'll be on my top ten or, or or very close come into the year. It's just man, it's fun to see. It's fun to see Redford care. It's fun to see that kind of. Mm-hmm. twinkle in the eye charm that he's always had and uh really like i said i kind of wish that this for sure was the last thing that he was going to do acting wise because it's such a great thing for him to go out on top of but uh, yeah i love the movie a little slow if you're not a fan of the 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 slow i, I hesitate to even call it a drama because it is very um lighthearted. Uh, yeah it's pretty light to be a drama but if you're if you're not a fan of the slow drama i'm not sure that this is going to be quite up your alley but i think it's worth giving a shot if you can kind of handle mm-hmm. the the slow pace and it's only 90 minutes long so that's a bonus yeah, as well was, if you're gonna be slow perfectly be, be short too so it's, it's yeah. good stuff so yeah eight for exactly. me as well awesome well this has been a bonus review for you this year uh this week actually and this year um <laughs> we've got another one coming we're talking bohemian rhapsody this week and nice. a lot of people saw that and want to hear our thoughts We'll be sure to bring them in the most honest way possible with Richard Barton uh, tomorrow night, actually, Yeah. Uh, from when this is posted. So 
Enjoy your night. Enjoy the day. And uh, we'll see you next time. Happy cinema. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling, tossed salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegs. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya ya. Silence is They're calling again.